Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips, and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 102 of the NicheSiteTools.com podcast. So glad to have you here. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you all about my MailChimp account getting banned from sending additional emails. I'm going to let you know exactly which email provider I've switched over to. And we're going to talk all about a couple of the different email providers I tested, some of the ones that didn't make the cut. And I'm going to tell you exactly why I went with the company that I did. But first, I wanted to quickly let you know why it's been so long since the last podcast episode and it was initially because I was testing out these different email providers and I really wanted to do an exhaustive test because I knew all the information that I was going through as far as testing goes was going to be great information for this podcast episode so that I can bring you guys all the details. So it took me a little over three weeks to actually narrow things down as far as providers go. I signed up for free trials for several of them and then I did some testing for each of the ones that I chose to evaluate and that really took a long time. I wanted to make sure that the key features that you guys would be using and that I was going to be using as far as obviously just sending out emails to subscribers. If you want to do an RSS to email where you're sending out subscribers emails every time a new post or episode comes out. If you want to send out a newsletter and of course with any of these options here I'm now getting the ability to send out autoresponders. So that's something I know a lot of you guys are interested in. That's something that's always recommended when you set up your list that you have some sort of series of emails that goes out to new subscribers telling them maybe a little bit about your site, how to navigate get your site. Here's some of the top posts on the site. Any number of those ideas would be great for an autoresponder series. And that's some of the things I was testing out. So that just really took a lot longer than I thought it would, but it was great information. And it really helped me narrow down my choice as far as which provider I wanted to select. So we're going to get into all of those details very shortly, but also right after that, I was about to record the episode and then Hurricane Irma started heading towards the Florida coast. And the day I was about to record the podcast episode, my day job had started talking about disaster recovery preparation for things like this when storms start heading towards the Florida coast. There is any likely pending threat from a storm to our state and definitely our area up in northeast Florida. Work will make a decision on whether they want to send people out ahead of the storm to get them out of harm's way. And we have a secondary location where we can bring up our computer systems and things like that in North Carolina. So the evening that I was going to record the podcast episode, I was instead having to make preparations in case they were going to be sending me out ahead of the storm. And the next day they did decide to make that decision. So I packed up the wife, packed up our pets, and we headed to my sister's place up in Atlanta to ride out the storm and eventually I was going to have to go to North Carolina but they ended up telling me to stay in Atlanta instead which was great because we got to stay with family and everything was good there a little bit better to be you know together to be with family and things like that to ride out the storm so all of that worked out great luckily we did not get any damage from the storm there directly at their house Uh, they had some relatives in the Atlanta area that did have trees fall hit their house and cause damage so there was actually a pretty significant significant impact to the Atlanta area from Hurricane Irma as well. But luckily everyone was safe and then we were in 
Atlanta for a full week. We had actually gotten up there on Wednesday, September 6th, and we came back on Wednesday, September 13th here to Florida. And when we returned, everything was good. There was no damage to our house. Everything was good. I have several friends that had a lot of tree limbs down and some exterior damage, but for the most part, it's just superficial damage, tree limbs and things like that. But we were really happy to come home and see that our new house had not sustained any damage. Power was out, according to neighbors, for about 18 hours. And we just got back internet last evening, which was two days later since we've been home. So there was a little bit of an inconvenience, but absolutely nothing to complain about. Just really thankful that everything is good here. We can continue on and get back to normal life. So thank you to everyone that reached out. A lot of folks had emailed or messaged me to see how things went with the storm and happy to report all is good. So we can now proceed with the podcast and hopefully continue on these regular schedules with no additional storms or interruptions. So let's hope for the best. And again, thank you guys so much for reaching out. And one last quick mention before we get right into the content. There was a lot of good feedback from the last podcast episode, which was about Pot Pie Girl's Guide to Increasing Affiliate Income. And in that guide, she actually increased her Amazon affiliate income from one post to I think it was approximately $126 to over $600 of income from the Amazon affiliate program for one single post. And I know a lot of folks purchased the guide. I purchased the guide myself and did a review in the last episode and I've gotten some really good feedback. A lot of folks have tried out some of the tips and seen some good results so far. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash pot pie girl and you can see her story about exactly how she went about increasing that affiliate income and then in the guide itself you will see the exact post that she still has out there live and the 14 strategies that she used to increase that affiliate income and she specifically mentions in the guide you do not need to employ all 14 strategies to have a similar effect you can pick and choose which strategies you want to use on your posts and your niche websites to increase your affiliate income and it's not specific to the amazon affiliate program program, although several of the strategies in her guide are specific to the Amazon affiliate program, but I would say well over half of them are strategies that you can use in affiliate marketing, even if you don't ever use the Amazon affiliate program. It's a really great guide, and one of the best parts about it is you get to see that case study, that actual live post where she increased her sales to over $600 in that one post. You get to see the post live and exactly what it looks like today, so you can get some ideas on how to format your post and what you want to put when you do affiliate type posts or Amazon reviews of products or anything like that, you can see it right there in front of you. So it's a great guide. It's only $39 and I think a lot of the tips in there you can put to use right away and you can get that return on your investment right away. Using just two of the strategies in the guide, I have been able to directly attribute some new sales to those methods that I use directly from the guide. So if you are interested in increasing your affiliate sales commissions, you should definitely check out that guide. And again, you can go over to niche site tool dot com forward slash pot pie girl exactly how it sounds p-o-t-p-i-e-g-i-r-l all one word again that's nichesitetools.com forward slash pot pie girl but now let's get into the main content for today's episode which is all about why my mailchimp account got banned from sending additional emails and which provider i've selected going forward So here's the moment you've all been waiting for. How exactly did I go about getting my MailChimp account banned? What this means for you, especially if you are currently using MailChimp as an email provider? 
and some of the different things you might want to keep an eye out for. So first of all, how did I know my account was banned from MailChimp? It wasn't an easy way to figure out initially because I had just published the podcast episode for the Pot Pie Girl review of her guide and it sent out the automated email when that post went live, or at least I thought it did. Normally when my new podcast episodes and posts go live, it's usually on a Monday at around 7 a.m. and then the email come out at 8 a.m. an hour later. So I was expecting to get that email and I didn't. So I was wondering, hmm, what happened to that email? Is something wrong? Did I turn off the RSS to email campaign and I forgot about it? Did I forget to actually publish the episode? All sorts of things like that can happen and do routinely happen. So I didn't think too much of it. But then when I looked and I saw that the post was live on the site, but I still didn't get the email, it wasn't in a spam folder or anything like that. I'm like, hmm, what the heck is going on here? So I logged into my MailChimp account and I'm going to click over to there now. And the first thing I saw is a red banner along the top of the site that says your account has one or more issues that need to be resolved. And it has a button that says view issues. So if I look at exactly what that says when I click on the view issues button, it says you have an account issue. Our automated abuse prevention system Omnivore has detected an action or content in your account that may be in violation of our acceptable use policy. For more information, click on this link to view our acceptable use policy and you can hit a button that says contact compliance. So that was on August 13th. So that was right after the post went live and it attempted to send the RSS to email automated campaign so that new subscribers would get an email that that new post was live. So the first thing I did, there was a contact compliance button right there, which is like clicked on it and I explained that this is an automated RSS to email. I've had a MailChimp account for over five years. I haven't changed anything in the way of what I'm doing. There was no links in that email that should have been blacklisted or anything. There was nothing out of the ordinary with that email and I clicked on their acceptable use policy I'm going to click over there now real quick and it's some obvious things in there that you're not supposed to do it says emails offering to sell illegal goods or services email that violates can spam laws pornography sexually explicit content escorts dating service pharmaceutical products Blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on from there. But one thing that did stand out was the a bullet item that says affiliate marketing. So I immediately thought, hmm, is this something new? Is this something that's changed? They don't allow affiliate marketing. What exactly do they think affiliate marketing is? So at that point, I went into research mode to see if this was affecting other people and what exactly was going on here. And I did a search for affiliate marketing in MailChimp, and it took me to a link on their site that does describe their policy when it comes to affiliate marketing in general. And it's really weird how they describe affiliate marketing and affiliate links. If you search for MailChimp affiliate marketing, you'll find this article. It's one of the top entries there in Google. And I'm just going to read the relevant parts here for you directly. It says, we treat affiliate marketing and affiliate links differently. Affiliate marketing is prohibited under our terms of use, but affiliate links are usually fine to use in MailChimp. Notice the term usually fine and affiliate marketing and affiliate links are different. It goes on to define affiliate marketing as this. It says affiliate marketers are typically rewarded by a third party for recruiting customers. The reason we don't permit this activity is there's no real obligation to care about subscriber satisfaction 
or to maintain a healthy e-commerce relationship with them. MailChimp isn't meant for this type of marketing. Based on that strict definition of affiliate marketing as recruiting customers and basically not caring about the people you're recruiting, I'm not doing affiliate marketing, at least in my mind. That is not at all what I'm doing. I'm more just including affiliate links to products that I review, recommend, and use myself. So there's definitely not a factor where I'm just recruiting customers like a multi-level marketing thing. That's not at all what I do as far as affiliate marketing goes, and that's probably not what most of you guys do either. And it goes on to explain affiliate links as this. Affiliate links encourage subscribers to click through to a third-party product or service and are used by a variety of marketers and e-commerce businesses, often in the context of a partnership. For example, if you're a blogger, you might link to or promote the website of one of your sponsors. These types of links are fine to use in MailChimp as long as the URLs you link to haven't been blacklisted. And it says how we treat affiliate links. MailChimp doesn't always stop campaigns that contain affiliate links, but we do stop campaigns that contain blacklisted URLs. If you send an email that links to a blacklisted URL, regardless of whether it's an affiliate link or direct link, spam filters may block your message completely. This negatively impacts email delivery for all our users. Even if you include a link to a blacklisted URL by accident, we have to suspend the account while we review it. We understand that these things happen even to legitimate marketers, so we always do our best to work quickly with our users on these issues. If we're not able to resolve the issue or we determine a user has intentionally violated our terms of service, we may be forced to close the account permanently. And it goes on to say things like, it's usually fine to recommend and link to products or services in your campaign. However, some products or services are prohibited by their terms of use, or for example, pornography and things like that, or, you know, illegal content, things like that. Nothing of that applied in my case. And it says links to prohibited content. You can't send emails about or include advertisements or any content that's prohibited under their acceptable use policies. For example, it's not okay to include links promoting get-rich-quick opportunities. This type of content is prohibited because it tends to generate a high number of abuse complaints. Again, that's not something I was doing in this particular case. I've looked back on all my emails that I sent out, and as far as people complaining that the email that you've received from me is abuse or spam is less than 1%, it's probably less than 0.1% over the entire five years that I've used MailChimp. So as far as their specific guidelines and exactly what they say as far as disabling accounts and things like that, there's really nothing that I can pinpoint, especially since nothing has changed in the five years that I've been doing this. Nothing is specific to any links that were in that email that would have gone out with the latest post. And really nothing was given as far as an explanation from MailChimp directly to say, this is specifically why your account got banned. So right now, as I'm recording this, it is currently September 15th in the evening and it was August 13th that I received that violation and that I could not send any additional emails through my MailChimp account and effectively I was being banned from using their service. So it's been one month and two days since my account was banned and I did click to contact their compliance department right away as soon as I noticed that my account was no longer sending emails. So it's been over a month and I've gotten no response whatsoever from MailChimp. And initially, after I found out my account was banned, I was giving it a couple days just to see if they would respond quickly, re-enable my account. It would be, you know, just an oversight on their part. Just hit a spam filter, no big deal, re-enable me, and things would be good. But 
After about a week or so, I started to realize, especially after doing more research and looking up MailChimp account bans online and just doing different search terms in Google, that it was highly likely that my account was not going to be reinstated. If you do a search for MailChimp account ban, you'll see that, especially on the warrior forums that are out there, you probably heard of them, a lot of folks are mentioning, especially recently, that affiliate marketing accounts are getting banned from MailChimp with no explanation whatsoever, other than in their acceptable use policy and terms of use that they specifically prohibit affiliate marketing. But their definition of affiliate marketing, in my opinion, points specifically to shady multi-level marketing practices. But my opinion is pretty much irrelevant because the more research I did, the more folks I found that were in a very similar situation. And they said, if you do anything with affiliate marketing, do not use MailChimp. In most cases, their accounts were banned just like mine and they got no explanation from MailChimp whatsoever as to why. But across the board, it became very clear that if you do anything with affiliate marketing, there is always a chance your account can get banned with no explanation whatsoever. And something to be very careful of, if you are using MailChimp currently, I'm not telling you you have to shut your account down right away or switch to another provider. But if you do include affiliate links in any of your posts, that you send out or you do do any sort of affiliate marketing whatsoever, please do one thing today. Go into your MailChimp account and export any of your existing email lists. It's really easy to do that. And when you do that, you will have your list and if anything were to happen, you at least have your list as of today so that you own that asset, you have access to it, and you can easily import it into another email provider and continue right where you left off. One thing that I got lucky with is that they banned my account from sending additional emails, but they did not specifically turn off my account and prevent me from getting access to it. So even as of today, I can still go into my account and see my subscribers and export my list. So luckily, I had access to all of that. So it was really easy to just export my list. I have two different lists in there. So I exported both of my lists. And then when I started to test some of these different email providers, it was as simple as going in there, importing my list and I could just continue where I left off. But it is definitely possible if they do flag your account that they could prevent you from accessing your account altogether. So even if you do nothing else other than say, oh, I'm just going to stay on MailChimp, I'm going to take the risk, and if it happens to me down the road, I'll deal with it. If you are going to go that route, please export your list today and set up a plan so that you can do so on a weekly or monthly basis so that you have access to your list that you've spent so much time and effort building over time. So once you have that list, then you have a lot of other options. But if you are locked out of your account, then you're really in trouble and you wouldn't have access to your list potentially, which could be really devastating. So that pretty much sums up the why. Why it has something to do with affiliate marketing or affiliate links or whatever reason. But the bottom line is that they're not going to respond to me. They're not going to tell me why. And I've already moved on. It is kind of unfortunate because I did have a good five-year run with them. I never really had any issues. Everything worked well, and I had no complaints up until this most recent moment. However, if you do use MailChimp currently and you intend to continue to do so, whether it's a free or a paid account, just know that you can lose access to your subscriber list at any time, and that's one of your most important assets that you have, especially if it's something you've built up over time, and it's taken you a long time to build that list and to build up that customer base. Make sure at a minimum, if you are going to remain with MailChimp and do anything to do with affiliate marketing or affiliate links,
links that you regularly export your list so that you don't lose those subscribers that are in there. And now that you have the information from my story specifically and the story of tons of other folks out there, trust me, just search for a MailChimp account ban out there. You'll see exactly what I saw. So many other folks that say MailChimp is not for affiliate marketers and I have to now 100% agree in hindsight. On the plus side for you guys, I've done a ton of research on a number of different products that you've probably all heard of and I'm going to narrow down what to what I think is the best product out there as far as cost-wise, feature, support, when it comes to the full picture on what service has the best features for the money. I think I've made a great choice that a lot of you guys can benefit from as well. So really looking forward to bringing you those details now. And I won't leave you in suspense any longer. The company that I decided to go with was GetResponse. And that was after three weeks or more of researching various products and narrowing things down. GetResponse seems to have the most features for the cheapest amount of money. And they have a lot of great features that other products didn't have. So that's why I really can't wait to jump in and use some of the more advanced features because they are included at the lower price as well. So not only are you getting the lowest price product I found out there at various price points, but you're getting additional features that the other options didn't offer in addition to great support and all sorts of other things that I'm going to talk about for you here. But that is the bottom line. That's the choice I made. Really happy with it. I've been 100% on them since the beginning of the uh, Hurricane Irma started, and I've been getting new email subscribers on a daily basis or at least every other day. Everything seems to be working fine. The couple of folks that I asked to test things out, set up a new account, and join the list. Make sure you get the autoresponder series, the welcome email, and things like that. Everything has been working great, so I'm definitely happy to say that I'm 100% converted over. I have been for at least two weeks now, and I've had no hiccups after converting everything over. So everything is really good, going to remain on it. I just stopped all of my other trials that I had that I was testing out other products, so I'm 100% in. Get response is going to be for me going forward, and I think a lot of you guys will really like the features they have at the low price point as well. So if you are interested, you know you want to check out a new email provider or you're just thinking about setting up your first email provider, definitely would recommend GetResponse. That's going to be my recommended email provider going forward. You can head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash GetResponse and then you'll get a free 30-day trial, no credit card required, nothing at all. You just provide your email address and then if you do sign up as a paid customer after the trial, you'll get a $30 credit and I will get a $30 credit as well. And for most folks, myself included, you would be paying $15 per month for up to a thousand subscribers. And that would basically pay for two months of your service just for signing up through that get response link. And I'm going to keep that referral link at least in this first two weeks to that $30 credit for both of us. What I'm trying to do is to negotiate with their affiliate team a discount off the monthly rate so that you could possibly get it for a cheaper rate over the long term. But they did respond to me and they said they're not currently doing that. They're not providing discounts to affiliates like that. So for now, if you do sign up through my link over at nichesitetools.com forward slash get response, we will both get that $30 credit if you decide to become a paid customer of get response after your free one month trial. So that's great that they do provide that incentive for signing up and making it worth your while. So you definitely take advantage of that $30 credit. 
So how did I go about narrowing things down and figuring out which companies I was going to evaluate and what went into all the decision and all that sort of stuff? So what I started out doing was I looked, and of course, price point is going to be a deciding factor for many folks, myself included. So what I looked at was a lot of the main names out there that you probably all heard before. I started with AWeber because it's most similar to MailChimp. It's been out there probably as long or longer than MailChimp, and it's one of the ones that's really recommended recommended as far as affiliate marketers go. You don't have those types of same issues that you would have with MailChimp with AWeber. So it's just one of those names that you know has always constantly been out there and it's just one of those household names you probably heard if you've been doing affiliate marketing or you're familiar with it for any length of time. But there's a lot of newcomers, a lot of other companies out there that I wasn't aware of necessarily or I'd heard of and I didn't know a lot about. So my initial criteria was focusing on some of the main companies you probably heard of that cater to bloggers and folks creating websites with anywhere from zero to, let's say, 5,000 email subscribers. That's where my focus was going to be because that's where my list is. That's where I think everybody here listening for the vast majority of folks, you're somewhere between zero subscribers currently to 5,000 or possibly a little bit more at this point in time. So I figured that's what, where my focus was going to be because it makes sense for me, makes sense for you guys out there. So based on that information, I went out there and looked to see what some of the most popular names are today, some of the main services that I'd heard of and knew about, and then I looked at the different price points. So here's the names of some of the companies that I considered. I considered Drip, Infusionsoft, Constant Contacts, MailerLite, AWeber, Get Response and Convert Kit. Those were the primary ones I looked at. I looked at, looked at a couple of one-off names that you might not have heard of, and some other names that one or two people suggested checking out. And I really didn't think they would be a good fit for myself or really anybody in the audience. They're a little bit more advanced. They took a lot more technical knowledge to get working and things like that. So those were the main names that I looked at first, strictly from a pricing standpoint, to see how much it cost for the different main levels of subscribers. A lot of them either start at 500 or 1,000 subscribers for their initial pricing level, and then they have different pricing levels for, say, up to 2,500 subscribers, up to 5,000, etc. So based on that criteria, I was actually able to eliminate the vast majority of those companies based on pricing because they're more advanced, they offer more advanced features, but that comes at a significantly higher price point, especially as you go up in level. So I was starting from a base, which GetResponse was really the lowest when it came to pricing, and I used that as the baseline as I was comparing different things. However, there was one free product similar to MailChimp called MailerLite, and that was the first one that I went to test because it offers a free version for up to a 1,000 subscribers. And it was very similar to the feature set that MailChimp offers, at least in theory, on the information on their website. So I signed up. I was able to import my list really quickly. Everything was going great. And then about an hour later, I received an email saying my account was denied because my sites have to do with affiliate marketing. So fair enough. Similar to MailChimp, they do not allow affiliate marketing to take place on their server which is fine, not a problem, but it was actually refreshing to get that information up front before you get too far into it. So similar to MailChimp, steer clear of MailerLite if you do do any sort of affiliate marketing. So that's just another name to avoid. So let's get back to pricing and tell you how I narrowed down which companies I was going to test. So I used GetResponse as my baseline and their pricing is $15 for up to 1,000 subscribers, $25 for between 1,000 and 2,500 subscribers, 
subscribers and then $45 for up to 5,000 subscribers. So those were the three main price points that I was going off of. And of course, in addition to just pricing, I wanted to make sure that all the providers had similar services. So again, you're going to be able to send emails to your list. You're going to be able to send an automated email anytime new posts come out. You're going to be able to do newsletters. You're going to be able to do autoresponders. And at a minimum, those are the core features that each program has to have. And surprisingly, not all of them did that, even at the higher price points. So as long as they had all those core features, that's what I was comparing prices on to make kind of do an apples to apples comparison. If one company is a CRM product and does accounting and bookkeeping, that's not what I was looking at. I was looking at for that core functionality that everybody would want to use when you're creating a blog, a website, and you're wanting to utilize your email list to the fullest. So those were the feature sets by at a minimum that I was looking at, and then I was comparing those price points. So if we go down the list here, just real quick, Drip I had eliminated because their initial pricing tier was $41 for up to 2,500 subscribers, which in and of itself at that price point is not too bad. But for anybody at a lower level, anywhere between zero and a 1,000 subscribers, you're paying a lot more than you would need to for similar features. And then at the 5,000 level, it was $83 per month. So it quickly goes up from there. Infusionsoft's initial plan is $99 per month. So again, I eliminated that one based on pricing. Constant Contacts has a plan which up to 500 subscribers is $20 per month, but once you go over 500, it quickly goes up from there to $45 for up to 2,500 subscribers and $65 for over 2,500 to 5,000 subscribers. So it quickly goes up if you have over 500 subscribers beyond what you would really need to pay to get a full featured product. So I eliminated that one based on pricing as well, which left me with the three products that I ended up doing extensive testing on, and that was was GetResponse, Aweber, and ConvertKit. And ConvertKit was one I added after a couple of folks had asked me if I had checked into it. So I did include that one based on some feedback in the private Facebook mastermind group and via email of folks that had asked if I had a chance to test out ConvertKit. So I added that to the list for that reason primarily. But let me tell you real quickly about pricing. So again, GetResponse for up to 1,000 subscribers is $15 per month, up to 2,500 subscribers subscribers is $25 per month and up to 5,000 subscribers is $45 per month. Compared to Aweber, Aweber is $19 per month for up to 500 subscribers. It is $29 a month for 501 to 2,500 subscribers and it is $49 for 2,500 to 5,000 subscribers. Because their initial pricing tier only goes up to 500 subscribers, it's a little bit harder to compare, but you can see that it's actually more money. It's $4 more up to 500 subscribers, let's say. But as you go over 500, it quickly goes up from there, but it's a little bit more difficult to compare with GetResponse. But the bottom line is you're getting a much better deal with GetResponse at the various price levels than you are with Aweb. But I know a lot of folks do know about Aweber and would be interested in checking it out or are currently using Aweber. So it is a great product to test again. So that was definitely one I was going to include no matter what. But the pricing is close at some of the various subscriber numbers, but it is definitely a better deal overall at all the price levels of GetResponse versus Aweber. So just so you're clear that no matter what the price level is, you're getting a better deal with GetResponse. And then I compared that also to ConvertKit. 
And the way ConvertKit works is up to 1,000 subscribers. It's $29 per month. So it's almost double the price of GetResponse. And at over 1,000 subscribers from 1,000 to 3,000, it's $49 per month. So again, it's roughly double the cost of GetResponse at that same subscriber level. And it actually does not have as many features, which I'm going to go into now. So those were the three that I compared. Clearly, GetResponse is the best price level. AWeber comes in at a close second. And then ConvertKit is slightly more than AWeber. And it's about double the price at various price levels as GetResponse. So let's talk about some of the features and some of the different pros and cons of these different services that helped make my decision easier as the testing went on. So as far as who's been out there the longest, GetResponse and AWeber have been out there the longest for sure. If you check out their information on their About page, they have both been out there since 1998, which is a long, long time when it comes to affiliate marketing and email services and things like that. So you can know that they've been out there for a long time. So obviously they've stood the test of time and they're going to be out there for a long time to come. But ConvertKit is definitely the newbie in the space, only having been out there for a couple of years at the most. And the reason you've probably heard about them, given the fact that they haven't been out there that long, is because they're smart in the way they do their marketing. They align themselves with influencers in the field and they get them to recommend the product to get the word out there. So you probably heard about them from Pat Flynn's podcast when they were just starting to ramp up. Pat was one of their initial testers and one of their initial ambassadors and provide a lot of insight to make the product better and to get it to become a better product and eventually over time it will get there. But it is definitely a no-frills service provider right now. And one interesting thing I found with, with their service when I was searching for different information from folks, I was reading reviews, I was reading the comments of people in those reviews to see different people's opinions. And I actually found an article on ConvertKit's website that said five reasons you should not switch from MailChimp to ConvertKit. Of course, it's tongue-in-cheek and, you know, they're not definitely telling you if you're going to convert from MailChimp over to ConvertKit that you shouldn't do so. They wouldn't want to alienate that whole segment of an audience out there. But there are a couple of reasons in that list that would make you not want to switch from MailChimp to ConvertKit. One of them was that you want to send beautiful email templates and email templates are something that you like from MailChimp because they have a lot of them. AWeber has them. GetResponse has them. Most of the companies have good looking email templates that you can use as your design for your newsletter, your autoresponder, whatever. They're basically saying they don't believe in the use of email templates. So if that's something you like and a feature that you enjoyed with MailChimp or any other service provider, we're not the company for you. So that's good to know. And there's a good reason for that. They think that just plain, not necessarily plain text, but just plain HTML emails get the best response rates. And if you're sending somebody an email, you want to tell them something. You don't want to inundate them with graphics and things like that. But a lot of folks have like e-commerce stores or other things where People are used to getting ads that are related to shopping, they're related to products that you might sell or that you might be promoting. So a lot of people do include pictures in their email. They do like those templates, and I think it's a feature that's great to have. I do regularly include images in emails, and I have used those templates in MailChimp, and there are templates, like I said, in AWeber and in GetResponse as well. 
but they just don't have that in ConvertKit, and they're very upfront about that. So if that's not an issue for you, that's great. Not a big deal. Just move on. But know that they do not have those templates similar to someone like Aweber or GetResponse would. And in addition, they do their lists in a different way than most of the other providers. So if you're used to Aweber or MailChimp or even GetResponse and how they have separate lists for different websites. So let's say, for example, you have five different niche websites, you would most likely have five different lists that are unique to those specific niches, and you wouldn't necessarily want to commingle that list into just one account and one main list. But ConvertKit utilizes completely different terminology when it comes to your list. So you're going to have one main list. And if you had multiple websites, ConvertKit might not be the type of service for you because it's a little bit more difficult to keep things separate. How ConvertKit works is a system called tagging, and it's very prominent in their system, and it is a good feature to have. Um, Aweber is just starting to play with tagging, and GetResponse has that built in. So that is a great feature to have, but if you're used to having separate lists and something like MailChimp, it's going to be probably difficult to get your head around exactly how that works. So let's say you had two different lists, completely different, completely separate. None of the accounts were the same in those lists because they're completely different websites. What would happen in ConvertKit is you would have one main list and you would tag them. So let's say you had a website about cell phones and you had a website about video games. You would tag them in your forms that collect email addresses on your website in some way so that one subscriber would have cell phones tagged to their email address and one subscriber would have video games. Potentially, if your lists overlapped, so you had two separate niche sites, but maybe some for some reason some people were on both lists. You would have one entry for that person, but they could be tagged for both uh, cell phones and video games. So it's not separate, whereas you go into your GetResponse account, you go into your Aweber account, or you go into your MailChimp account, you grab a pull down or you click on individual lists that you most likely matched your website name. So that's very clear. You'd have completely separate lists. You'd have a separate autoresponder for one list, separate uh, newsletter, separate things for your list. And that just makes sense to me. If they are distinct lists, you'd want them separate just to keep things very clear so that if you're setting up newsletters or autoresponders for one site, you're not going to confuse them and you're not going to accidentally send something to everybody in your list when you only meant to send it to people that are interested in niche site tools and not somebody that might be interested in cell phones or video games. And that way it's completely clear one set of newsletters or one set of autoresponders per website that you have, whereas in ConvertKit, you could get confused and send things out to the wrong people. So they say that clearly on their website. If you're used to managing multiple distinct audiences like that, ConvertKit probably isn't for you. So the more that I read... I found that ConvertKit really wasn't going to be for me. And not only that, but it did not have all the features that GetResponse would have. And for most of the price points, it was going to be more money as well. In addition to that, one huge factor with all my testing was support. I can't tell you the number of different times I actually use support. And I'll explain why and I'll explain how my process went. But for ConvertKit, their support is really lacking. They are a newer company. They haven't ramped up their staff to levels that these other companies that have been out there for you know, 10, 20 plus years have had time to build up their support staff. So really the only way that I found to get support from ConvertKit was to click a link on their website that says open a ticket. And all it does is basically open an email on your computer 
to their support email address. So the only way to get support that I found was through email and it was obviously not instant. Whereas GetResponse and Aweber have great customer support. They're known for their customer support. ConvertKit was really lacking when it came to support. And that was really important, especially early on when you're just setting something up, you're trying to figure out how to work their program, how to get your email list imported and things like that. That was a feature that was really lacking. So for all those reasons, I did eliminate ConvertKit. Their support wasn't there. Their pricing was a bit higher and their feature set. And the way that the system works is not what most people would be familiar with. And I think it would be a hurdle for many folks. So I did eliminate convert kit based on those reasons. So that brings me down to the last two, GetResponse, which is the one I chose, and Aweber. So I'm going to really quickly go through the pros and cons of each, and then you can make a more informed decision on which might work best for you. So some of the things that are really important when it comes to an email service provider is delivery rates. Of course, you want your emails to hit your customer's inbox. You want them to be delivered on time. And you want them to look right. You know, you want them to look appealing. You want somebody to click on them, read them, click through to your website, whatever it is you're trying to do. But you want to make it in your customer's inbox, first of all, so you don't want to hit a spam filter. And then, of course, you want them to be delivered in a timely manner. And I had done some research on deliverability rates and, you know, making sure that your emails do go out there on a timely basis. They make it to your customer's inbox. They're not routinely marked as spam. And there was a lot of research on it. Aweber is considered one of the best in the industry. And then I found some big bloggers and some heavy hitters that you probably heard of, Leslie Samuel and Neil Patel from over at Quicksprout. And he had done some testing, extensive testing on deliverability rates, and he actually found that GetResponse had better delivery rates than Aweber. And when I was doing research on deliverability rates, I wasn't looking for, you know, specific numbers like this email ended up in 98% in somebody's inbox and delivery rates were on time 99.672%. That's not what I was looking for. I was just looking for information to compare Aweber and GetResponse to see that they were roughly the same as far as delivery rates go. And the study from Neil Patel he did an extensive study, and in his results, GetResponse's delivery rates were actually better than Aweber. So that was enough information along with the other things I saw from other folks out there that mentioned that GetResponse rates were very comparable to Aweber. So I didn't see anything that was completely out of line that said either service had far worse results or far better results than the other. And in my experience, I had actually sent out that first email that mentioned that my MailChimp account was banned with GetResponse, and that email had the highest open rate of any email that I ever sent with MailChimp. Of course, it could be that the subject line MailChimp account banned was, you know, thought provoking. People wanted to click on it, but I just, that was one quick test that I did. The first email that I sent with GetResponse to my existing list had the highest open rate that I've ever had. So for sure, delivery and reaching customers inbox and open rates and things like that weren't going to be any worse than they were previously and most likely they're going to be better. So that's a good thing. I think they're comparable. So for me, for this testing, delivery and open rates was not a concern with either provider. So that's basically, I just eliminated that as a potential factor. Some of the other pros that differentiate GetResponse from Aweber are these. 
I'll just run through my list of pros that I have here. Number one is that there's free no credit card trial. AWeber, if you do want to try out their free one-month trial, you do have to provide your credit card to do so. And that might not be a hindrance for some people, but it is a friction point. So it does definitely eliminate a lot of folks that really don't want to provide that payment information knowing that if you do go beyond that one month, you will automatically be charged. So there is a free one-month trial provided through GetResponse with no credit card that you can access at nichesitetools.com forward slash GetResponse. So in addition to the free no credit card trial, they have surveys, which is interesting because AWeber does not have that. And I didn't see that any of the other companies had a free survey product built into their program. So that's something that Leslie Samuel mentioned, and he utilizes that a lot. He said it's a great feature. And it's a really cool feature that most, in most cases, like if you use SurveyMonkey or other programs, eventually you get to a point where they're going to charge you. And it's not an incidental fee. It's usually a high fee to be able to do those surveys and to gather that information from those surveys. So if surveys are anything you've considered doing or wanted to do, that is a free feature with the uh, GetResponse program that is not available through AWeber. So that was something I tried it out. It worked cool. I just tried it out with my test account and everything worked. You can tag people based on responses and surveys and things like that. So it's a really cool feature that may or may not be important to you. It's not important to me right now, but it is cool to see that that's available. And it was something that Leslie mentioned that's a great feature to have. So at least you know you have the ability to do surveys in there for free with your account. In addition to that, it has all the templates and forms that you need. So if you do like the templates, the built-in templates that you can start out for an email newsletter, there's a ton of different options to choose from. They're all mobile responsive. And recently, AWeber's templates were not necessarily mobile responsive. That was a big issue that a lot of folks had mentioned. But they have since migrated all their templates over to have them be mobile responsive. So if you see any information about that, that was an issue with AWeber that they've recently resolved. And that's really what AWeber has been doing, by the way. They've been the big um, 800-pound gorilla in the room for a long time, and I think they became a little bit complacent. And I think a lot of folks that have been with them forever will tell you the same thing, in that they they were slow to adopt some of the more recent features like tagging and things like that, that a lot of the newer providers are providing and it's a focus and a staple of their product. AWeber is playing a little bit of catch up at this point. So they are behind in a lot of the more advanced features and a lot of the features that these other products have like GetResponse. So they are playing catch up. I think they will get there eventually, but there are a lot of features that GetResponse has for a lower price that I think you'll find really attractive that are not yet in AWeber. So that was another big deciding factor. But let's get back to the pro. So as I was going down the list here, another humongous feature for GetResponse over AWeber is that they have 24 by 7 chat support. And I'm a huge chat support kind of guy. Anytime I contact Comcast or any of these other companies, I'm usually doing something else at the same time. So it's just easy for me to do the chat support. I do that with Amazon all the time as well. Then I can be doing something else on the computer while I'm waiting for someone to respond. I don't have to be on the phone, all those sorts of reasons. And I utilize the chat feature with GetResponse more times than I can remember. And it was not only just because I had specific questions and I wanted to get all the information for you guys on how their product works, but I also wanted to test and see if the response 
from the chat was also competent at all hours. You know, maybe they had their A team on during the day and the B team on at night. But most of the time I was doing this testing between 8 p.m. and midnight, depending on the day. And there was many times when it was just slightly after midnight and into, you know, 1 a.m. And I had great responses at all times. There was several times when I would get the same guy if it was within the same hour. I mean, he's like, I'm so sorry, just one more question that I want to ask. And they were super helpful. Both AWeber and GetResponse were super helpful when it came to their support. I never had any issues where they weren't helpful or they weren't knowledgeable. So as far as their technical ability of their support staff, it's great for both of them. The only differentiating factor is that their support hours were slightly different. So for AWeber, you can get phone or chat support Monday through Friday, 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. So that's great. It's a big window. You can contact somebody and get a hold of somebody. And then on the weekends, it's between 9 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday. But like I said, I did most of my testing between 8 p.m. and approximately 1 a.m. So in those cases, in most instances for me, I had to actually submit either an email request or support ticket or something to get an answer the next day. Whereas with GetResponse, I was able to use that 24 by 7 chat support and I used it often and it was always available. So for me, that timing between 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. was most useful for me because that's when I do most of my niche websites stuff. It's usually in the evening. So if for you, you're usually doing that during the day or between the hours of 4 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on the weekends, that may not be an issue for you whatsoever. But just so you know, both companies are excellent when it comes to customer service. It's just a matter of having slightly different hours or in the case of GetResponse, you have that 24 by 7 chat. But during the week, it's 9 to 5 for GetResponse's phone support, but 24 or 7 for their chat support. And some more pros when it comes to GetResponse is that they have workflows, which sounds boring and something you wouldn't necessarily be interested in, but I think that is one of the most cool features that they have that AWeber currently does not have. And what that means is you can do different things based on customer responses. So let's say, for example, somebody's in your autoresponder list and they open the first email, but they don't open the second email. You could have something specifically trigger on that situation and you could say, hey, I noticed you read the first email, but not the second one. Is there something you know else I can do to blah, blah, blah? Or let's say you are promoting a particular product in your email and somebody clicks on a specific link in that email, you may have more than one link. One link might go somewhere. One link might go somewhere else. And depending on if they click on one of those specific links or just clicked on a link in general, you can determine what you're triggering off of. You can do certain things. So if somebody open or clicks on a link in one of your sales emails, you could identify them as a potential sales prospect. So you could tag them with a sales prospect. Or if somebody clicks through a link, makes a purchase, you could tag them as a buyer. If somebody clicks on a link, you could tag them as being interested in what that particular link went to. There's so many different options when it comes to these workflows that just isn't even at all available in AWeber currently. I know that's something they're interested in. I know that's something ConvertKit does. 
But the issue there is that AWeber currently doesn't have that. The only thing they have as far as tagging goes is if you have an opt-in box on your website that you created through AWeber, you can tag that person with a particular tag. So for example, let's say you have a page on your website that has to do with pet sitting and you want people that are interested in pet sitting to sign up through this one form on this one page page that you have. So it could be some sort of landing page or something. So that anybody who joins through that one opt-in box on that specific page would be tagged with pet sitting. So you know that person is interested in the idea of pet sitting. AWeber does have that. That's that's as far as it goes. You can tag somebody based on an opt-in form that they sign up for. But that Get Response workflow feature is really something I'm interested in trying. And I talked about this with one of the uh, folks in the group, Jeff, and he said that was exactly what he's looking for. It kind of reminds me if you use the Internet of Things out there, if you use like if this, then that to do anything, if you have home automation or anything like that, it's kind of along those same lines. So if somebody does this if somebody opens this email or clicks on this link do this so add them to another list or send them a different email or send them a customized email based on whatever action they took if you're familiar with that type of thing this is the possibilities are really endless on what you can do so this is something that really sets it apart from aweber and the good thing is that it's at a lower price point as well so you're getting these really cool additional cutting edge features but you're also getting it at a lower price point so that was really one of the deciding factors and something that you can really grow into. And that was something I listened to a podcast recently in the middle of all my testing. And I can't remember the person who I was listening to, but the podcast episode said you really want an email provider that offers features that you can grow into over time. So they may not be services that you're going to use at the day you're starting to create your email list and you're giving somebody you know, lead magnet and you're just starting out, that's really all you're going to focus on. You want to have those advanced features and those really cool features that can help you segment your audience and really target people on a smaller level because that's really where you get the most benefit from your list when you can kind of niche down and really hone in on what somebody's interested on your website. So for example, Joe in the audience has a supplement website. So I could see that there'd be so many different supplements over time that he might have done reviews on but maybe he has a segment of audi- of his audience that's interested in energy supplements and they specifically want to get a better workout and they want to really focus in on getting the most out of their workouts whenever they do them. So there may be a segment of his audience that's focused on energy supplements. There may be another segment of his audience that focuses on memory enhancement. So maybe they're getting older their memory isn't what it used to be. So maybe they're interested most in supplements that enhance memory. So there could be so many different sub-segments and maybe not everybody that's subscribed to your list wants to know about every supplement you have out there. But I would say probably in all cases, there's people on his particular website that would be interested in sub-segments for sure. And let's say for the Niche Site Tools website, I know I have a lot of folks that are interested in starting businesses, creating their own niche websites, but they're also interested in the Amazon affiliate program. They might be interested in selling products on Amazon. They might be interested in creating their own products. And I could segment my list into different sub-segments of folks that are interested in these different subtopics, but they might not necessarily be at all interested in these other topics. So there's so many different things you can do with these workflows and with segmenting and with tagging that just isn't available in AWeber. So just some some things you might be thinking about for the future 
if you want to do things like that and you think that is a really cool thing to do, all of that is there. It's available. It's included in the product, so all is good. You can do that right from the start. One additional feature that GetResponse has is that they allow you to create a landing page. And with all accounts, you have the ability to create one landing page. So that's really cool. It's similar to like a Thrive landing pages or lead pages but you're limited to one with most regular accounts. But the cool thing is if you've ever wanted to play with landing pages, that option is there. It has a ton of responsive templates, different things to choose from. So you can experiment with landing pages through this product, and that's something, again, that GetResponse allows you to do that AWeber does not. As far as opt-ins go, both products, AWeber and GetResponse, allow you to create opt-in forms that you can include on your website to gather those emails but uh, GetResponse has better options as far as that goes. So if you've seen the forms that shake, if you've seen the forms that fade in over time, if you've seen exit intent pop-ups when somebody's gonna close your browser window, that's when they get the opt-in form. You can create all those through GetResponse and from what I saw, all the standard options that you would wanna use as far as like a ribbon along the top of the website and different types of forms like I mentioned, they're all available there in GetResponse, but I use Thrive Leads for that. So when I switched over from MailChimp to GetResponse, all I had to do was go to Thrive Leads, log into my GetResponse account and hook it to GetResponse versus uh, MailChimp. And I was off and running. I didn't have to change any forms on my site. I would recommend you do that. I would recommend you use something like Thrive Leads so that if you do ever change email providers like I had to, I didn't have to change all the forms on my website since they were all through Thrive Leads already. All I had to do was link Thrive Leads to GetResponse instead of MailChimp and I was off and running. So I would recommend that you do that separately, but if you don't want to pay for a separate plugin initially, you can create all those cool slide-ins and boxes that shake and exit intent type things through GetResponse, and you can also do something similar through AWeber, but GetResponse had more options as far as that goes. And one other really huge factor, which was an ease of use type thing, where if you're a new customer or you want to import an existing list, this is a really big factor. And when I initially signed up for GetResponse, I was able to import my list, able to get my campaign up and going and send out an email to my subscribers literally within an hour. I knew nothing about GetResponse. I was able to create my free account without providing a credit card. I was able to import my list. I was able to send out an email all within an hour, no issues. It had the highest open rate of any email I've ever had. Everything was very smooth. The downside of AWeber is that when you go to import a new list in your account, depending on what you respond when they ask you about your existing website and different questions they have, they have a proprietary formula. And I asked about this, so that's why I know. They have a proprietary formula that you may get tagged that you cannot automatically import your list without having people resubscribe. So for example, I have like 600 people on my list. By default through AWeber, if I wanted to import that list without interaction from their support team, I would have had to have AWeber send out an email to every one of the subscribers to resubscribe to my list, even though they already did that when they initially signed up. And that was actually contradictory to what it says on their website. If you search for AWeber and importing contacts without having them have to confirm, you'll find a link on their website that says you can do that. There's a checkbox. You just click the checkbox to have them not be required to reconfirm their email when they, when you import your list. 
list. However, that is not the case in all situations, and it was not the case in my situation. When I went to import my list, it said that I had to have everybody confirm their email, or if you don't want them to do that, click on this link to contact support. So I clicked on that link to contact support. I explained that I was testing multiple email providers and by no means was I gonna have my subscribers resubscribe on multiple different services and I didn't have to do that on the other services I was testing. So I need that option enabled just like it says on your website. So I did that and unfortunately it took over three days to get that approval. So that might not be a huge situation for everyone and it's not the end of the world. I'm not saying don't use Aweber for that reason and there's good reasons that they do that. You don't necessarily want people just signing up for Aweber importing the list of 10,000 people, sending out 1,000 spam emails, and then that looks bad on everybody that uses Aweber service. I understand why they do that. I'm just saying the three days I thought was a little bit excessive, especially when I was testing multiple services. So during those three days that I was waiting, I actually contacted support in uh, both the chat support, the email support, and I did chat support with multiple people trying to push things along. And I even explained to them that I'm doing this research. I have an audience that I'm going to be presenting this information to, and if people can't import their list without requiring confirmation, that could be a showstopper for a lot of people. And they were trying to be helpful. They said, this is with our best practices team. I'll try to escalate for you. And then another day went on. I got the same answer. And I kept explaining to them the importance and the urgency of this. And they eventually did get to it after three days. And I was able to import my list without issue at that point in time. But it does say on their website you can do that without having to go through their support team, and that's not absolutely 100% true. So just be aware if you are considering Aweber and you do want to import an existing list, you will possibly have to go through that process where if you don't want people to have to resubscribe, you're going to have to contact their support team, wait for them to approve that, and then you'll be able to do that hopefully after a little bit of a waiting period. And there are some additional features that are available through GetResponse only that are not available through Aweber that I briefly just want to touch on. And if you get to the point where you're having over 2,500 subscribers, if you're having 2,501 or more subscribers, you're at that $45 per month rate with GetResponse. At that rate, I would upgrade to the pro account, which a pro account is only needed if you're using advanced e-commerce features, like you wanted to do cart abandonment. If you have an e-commerce website, somebody adds a bunch of items to their cart but doesn't end up making a purchase, you can use advanced features like cart abandonment where you can send somebody an email maybe an hour later and say, hey, you had those items in your cart. I saw you didn't buy them. Maybe I can give you a 10% discount to entice you to make that purchase. Something like that, you've probably seen that from other advanced companies out there before. That's a great feature that's available in the pro version. And at the $45 per month for up to 5,000 subscriber rate, you can pay $4 per month more, and it's only $49 per month. And you get all those pro features like cart abandonment and things like that. Mostly it's for advanced folks, but in addition, that pro version also gives you an unlimited number of landing pages that you can use. Previously, you heard me mention you get access to one landing page. If you do go pro, you get access to an unlimited number of landing pages. So for that additional $4 more only at that price level, it's as if you're getting access to lead pages. 
for an extra $4 per month. So it's a great deal, especially if you're at that over 2,500 subscriber rate. It's only $4 more than the plan you would be paying for. And in addition to that, they also have full webinar functionality as well. So you can run webinars for your website and you can combine that with your email list seamlessly. And the way that I would think of that, if you do like a go-to meeting or anything like that where you're doing webinars, this could replace that. So this is another way you could eliminate another service that you're currently paying for. And for only an additional $4 more, you can have access to webinars. You can have access to all these advanced e-commerce features for a very minimal increase over what you're already paying. So that's just something for the future. If you're just starting out, I don't need a pro account right now. I have no need for webinars and stuff like that right now. It's not something I currently do or plan to do in the very near future. But it's good to know, it's like I said before, it's that ability to grow into this account and have more features as you go with very minimal additional cost. Like I said, those features are not available via Aweber, but it's something that you're not going to necessarily need initially at GetResponse, so there's really no need for a pro account, especially when you start out. And it's not something you need to worry about. You're constantly going to get upsells to go pro. You don't need that. It's there. It's available when you need it, if you need it. But it's good to know those additional features and advanced options are available if you do eventually need them. So what are the cons to get response? There has to be a couple, right? And I did come up with a couple and I'll provide them to you really quickly here. There were two cons that I wanted to mention. And the first one is clearly stated on their website, but in regards to their refund policy, they don't have one. So in other words, if you pay on a monthly basis, let's say you paid on August 1st and then you wanted to cancel on August 15th. You could do that. You can cancel your account at any time, but you would not get a prorated refund for the remainder of that month. You would just not be charged any additional fees from that point forward. So it's good to know up front, Aweber does have a prorated refund policy. So if you paid for an annual plan, for example, through Aweber, and then you canceled halfway through the year, you would potentially get half of that year back. If you were to sign up for a year through Get response to get a slight discount off the monthly rate and let's say you're two months into that year and you wanted to cancel you would not get a refund for any portion of the remainder of that year so for that reason i would definitely recommend that you just sign up for the monthly plan it's still cheaper than aweber and that's exactly what i did i'm on their monthly plan now for the 15 dollars per month rate and that's what i'm recommending you do as well so you don't have to worry about that longer term refund policy being an issue so that's an easy way to eliminate that con and the second con is that it's not 100% obvious that you need to change your from email address and your reply to email address when you set up your list. So for example, I have two different lists. And for niche site tools, my from address is chris at nichesitetools.com and my reply to address is chris at nichesitetools.com so that if any emails that come out for this list, you, that's who it would come from. And if somebody hit reply, that's who the email would go to. If you sign up for your account with a different email address like I did, so I signed up with a Gmail address since it's generic and that's the main one that I use. And then for each individual list that I have, so Niche Site Tools has its own list. So that's chris at nichesitetools.com. And then my other list is a different email address at that domain. So you want the emails to go out as that email address on that website. And you don't necessarily want your personal email address as the from address and the reply to. It's very easy to change in your list. Just know that you need to change it. Because otherwise, if you sign up for, let's say, a generic Gmail address like I did, and you don't change it, any emails that you send out would go out as the generic account that you created. 
That is something I knew about ahead of time. Again, it was really easy to do in your settings for your list, so I can definitely tell you how to do that. It's very easy to do. They show you how to do it on their website. Somebody had mentioned that in one forum, and they said that was a con for Git response because they didn't know that. They didn't know that that's commonly something you have to do. You have to do that through all the providers. I had to do that through MailChimp. I had to do that through Aweber. I had to do that through ConvertKit. So it's something I had to do each time I was testing these providers. But if you're not aware of that and you just create your account with a generic account and you don't want that email address to be exposed, for example, and you start sending out emails and it comes from your personal email account, that's kind of on you. It's 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 something that you might not be aware of, but that's something you really should be aware of. So it, it's again, it's something with every provider that you try, but it might be a little bit less intuitive where you you have to click a separate time if you want to change that from address it's obvious and then there's a link right next to the from address where you can change the reply to as well if you do it there in both places you're good to go you don't have to worry about it again it's just a one-time thing you'll have to do it through all providers but just wanted to let you know about that ahead of time that you need to click that link right next to your from address to change the reply to that's really it. There weren't any other cons comparing GitResponse to AWeber that I could come up with. And really the only cons were for AWeber were that the price point is higher, it didn't have the same features, and the ability to grow into the account and the more advanced cool features as far as the workflows goes just weren't there in AWeber. So you're paying more for less features and in the future if you want to grow into things like webinars and things like that, landing pages that GetResponse has that AWeber doesn't, you don't have that ability to grow into the account as you would with GetResponse. So you're paying less money, getting more features now, and there's more features there for you in the future. So that's pretty much the bottom line. I don't have anything bad to say about AWeber other than the three days that it took for my list to be imported without having to require subscribers to resubscribe to that list. That was my biggest frustration, at least early on. And there was one time that I actually sent out an email to a test account. I had somebody join my list and they were automatically in the um, auto response. It took four hours for them to receive that initial email for some reason. I don't know why it didn't end up in spam. It ended up in the inbox, but it took four hours for that one email to come through. I never had that again with any other test account. It could have been a fluke, and I'm not saying that it couldn't happen in other providers, but it was one thing that was kind of out of the ordinary that I didn't find in testing anywhere else, and it was only that one time, so I didn't want to place a lot of focus on that one event, so I just wanted to mention it really quick, but really comparatively wise, the delivery rates are good. The emails look good through both service providers. I actually do like how the regular emails, if you're just doing a plain HTML email through GetResponse, I do like how the the default text and the default um, size of the text and the formatting and the default font and things like that. I do like how it looks slightly better in GetResponse, but as far as delivery rates go, as far as setting up your list and everything, basic features are great on both providers. Support is great on both providers. GetResponse just offers so much more at a decreased price that it was really a no-brainer for me once all was said and done. And then once I made that conversion over, been running for two weeks, haven't had any issues. And I really like that you can see where people are in your autoresponder series. You can see 
if they open the email in your autoresponder or not. There's just so many additional great features that I didn't have with MailChimp that is great to have and I can't wait to dig into them. Really looking forward to getting that autoresponder going and then playing with those workflows and different things you can do to segment folks in the audience. So a lot of great features that I can't wait to dig into and I think you'll feel the same way. So definitely check out that free trial. It's awesome. You can just import your list. You don't have to worry about contacting support or anything. You can import your existing list, play around, send emails through there instead. Try it, see how it compares to your existing provider, and then make a decision. Is it something you want to try? It's probably going to be cheaper. If you're paying, if you're using any of the paid services, you're probably going to have more features for less price. So that's always a good thing. You can save some money, have some additional benefit. And be sure to go through my link to get that free one-month trial and then that $30 credit if you do decide to become a paid customer. That's nichesitetools.com forward slash get response. And again, that $30 credit will be valid for anybody that signs up for the free trial and goes through my link at least for the next several weeks, most likely months. But in the future, if I am able to provide you with a discount off the monthly rate or something like that, that nichesitetools.com forward slash get response will always go to the best deal, but it may not be a $30 credit for both of us in the future. So since I don't have full control over that, just wanted to let you know, but for the foreseeable future, we will both get a $30 credit and life is good. If you have any questions at all on, of course, get response or any of the other providers I've mentioned, I've done so much research and testing that I could probably answer them for you or get you an answer. So don't hesitate to reach out. Chris at nichesitetools.com. I'll do my best to answer all your questions. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode. Sorry, it's a bit longer than normal. Obviously, with three weeks of testing and a lot of information to provide, I had to fit that all in for you so you guys can make a more informed decision on which provider might be for you. And if you are looking to make a switch, again, you can head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash get response. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again in the next episode. Bye-bye now. 